Right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Hop Edition podcast. It's just a small gathering this evening. Chris and I in the house. We are absent Tricky and the Scottish one. Um, not too sure where they're at, but um, maybe they're just maybe they're doing dry January. Maybe I mean I know one of them is. Maybe they have eaten too much at Christmas. But it's our first podcast of 2022. Uh, tonight, Chris and I are going to just be rambling through a kind of unstructured talk about what we're going to brew in 2022. And what we've got going on in 2022 as well. You think? Yeah, I think there's going to be a little bit about what we've got going on. Just to be clear, we've got no notes for this evening. Chris That's... and I are just going to freestyle it. We do have a list of beers that we obviously want to brew, so we've got that far in terms of our organisation. So, you know, we're just going to see where it goes. See what happens. I mean, I think that's the best way to do it, to be yeah. fair. So, Chris, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I've got a, I've got a trapped nerve in my right peck, which Ooh. is hurting. But I'll be all right. It's not on the left side, so I'm not dying. That's reassuring. Yeah, but on the right side, I've got I've got a trapped nerve, mate. It's, it's honestly, it's a little bit sore. But I'm sure five or six beers will take the edge off the pain. I'm sure it will. It might even uh, alleviate. You might wake <laughs> up tomorrow feeling like a new man. Hey, okay. I mean, I hope I don't. W- I hope I don't wake up tomorrow morning feeling a new man. <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> well, what you about what is. about the old one? <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> So, so what is um, it like? One of those? Is it like where the muscle just constantly twitching? No, no, it, it's not. Um, no, it's like um, when you move into a certain position, you can feel a nerve getting pinched, and it really, really, really hurts. Yeah, I should really stand up and wang my arm around like mad, which is how you get rid of it because it loosens everything off, everything expands. But I can't do it in my shit because my fist will hit the roof, and I'll end up breaking my arm or something. So. So midway through the podcast, if you need to go outside and just wang your arm around, then that's yeah, the one, mate. Let me know. That's how we're going to do it. To be fair, when I go outside for a waz, that's when it'll happen. So you're going to go for a waz and a wang. A waz and a wang. Good. With a G, not with a K. <laughs> just to be clear, wang. That's... It's it's that's a new it's a new word. Chris has made up. Uh, wang is not a new word I've made up. It's a Yorkshire word, is wang. Is it? Yeah, you wear your wangers. What's a wanger? Underpants. So why are you wanging your arm? I don't know, because to wang is to throw. Oh, okay. Double wang. That's the one. I'm telling you, it's complex up in up in Yorkshire. The complex I mean, you know English language. Think, oh, it's a completely different language. Well, I hope you have a good wang later. I'm sure I will enjoy my wang later. Good. Yeah. So what? So, go on. Go, no, crack no. on, mate. Good. All I was going to say is, what are you drinking, son? What are you drinking? Well, what are we drinking? What are we drinking? We we happen to have um, synchronized and uh, and twinned it up tonight, don't we? We have. A very nice contribution from our friend Andy Clark over yes. at Hoy Lake Brewery. Do you suppose he's near Liverpool? Do you suppose he's near Hoy Lake? I mean, probably. I guess maybe he is. Great golf course. 
I don't know. I don't play golf. It's one of the uh, Royal Open venues. They play the Open. Hoy Lake. Hoy Lake, yeah. Oh, right. I I think it's Royal Lytham or Royal Liverpool. Royal Lytham St. Anne's. I'm just going to Google it. You do that, then? Hoy Lake Golf Course, which is... Hmm. Royal Liverpool. It's Royal Liverpool. Anyway, this is a home brewing podcast. I'll move Let's off the subject golf. to golf. There you go. That's, <laughs> that, that's just an interesting fact for everyone. Just a just a minor tangent of which I guess there will be plenty. So this is a fruited Berliner Weiss from Andy Clark at Hoylake Brewery. Very kind sent. Um, I think the whole podcast gang one of these um it's a 4.1 percent abv um and it's a fruited so it'll be a sour uh berliner weiss tends to be a low abv sour uh primarily um along the lines of most hazy german beers so it'll be typically a 50 percent pills and a 50 percent wheat split in this case he's added some acidulated malt um and carapils so following following along with the uh well, in respect to the acidulated malt, the Rheinheitsgut. Rheinheitsgut. Heitsgut. I always get the end wrong. Um, and he's also, yeah, added some carapils, so I guess that might help with the head retention, although, or with the body. We're not much in the way of head retention, but um, I often find that's the case with sour beers. There is no. There's no head. What's the, There's no what, head, no lace. What do you think the, the science is behind the lack of head with sour beers? Is it the pH? Well, I, would, I would simply put it as the hydrogen ions and the hydroxide ions. Well, no, there's more hydrogen ions, isn't there? Probably disrupting the interstitial van der Waals bonding between the water molecules. Good. I'm glad I asked. Um... <laughs> Total guess, by the way. Probably wrong. Who knows? Uh, it's probably got something to do with the fact that they're quite... Most of the time, they're not really heavy-bodied, are they? No, they tend to be... Well, yeah, other than, like, your really crazy sours that are, like, got a crap ton of lactose in them and stuff. Most of the time, they do tend to be quite drinkable, relatively dry beers, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, I can I can see where we're going with that one, but I do think that we need to talk about this a bit more before I finished it because it's going down a bit quick. Yeah, so this is um, let me get on with it then. So the hops are Cascade, the yeast is pretty sour, so it's classic kind of um, easy souring method, and in the secondary is mango puree and passion fruit puree. So not totally dissimilar to the one that I did actually, which was mango, passion fruit, and peach. This is, I Pretty mean... similar. What, what's your opinions on this beer, then, Owen? Oh, it is a delight. I mean, I'm not picking up any... any flaws in the beer at all. Um, it's super fruity. It's got a lovely fruit aroma to it. The mango really punches out. And I think, actually, the passion fruit brings... Uh, um, like a zing it brings more yeah. of a zing to the sourness but the mango I think balances that out with, with just, the creaminess with a creaminess and a little bit more I guess perceived sweetness 
that perhaps you just associate the you associate the flavour of mango with sweetness. It is it is a really nice beer. It's to super. be fair, it is a really really nice beer. It smells incredible. I'm, I'm very much enjoying this. I want to swim. Um, it. I mean, I don't think that I'd die very quick if I did drop into a vat of this. I'd have to keep getting out to go to the toilet. But it's a really 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 nice beer. Very for for sours. This is a clean beer. Mm. There's not a lot of complexity to it. It's simply a bit of malt. So I am picking up a little bit of that pills and a biscuity kind of ready biscuity malt. I'm getting a lot of the fruit, but I'm not really getting anything else. I'm getting a touch of sweetness from the carapils, just a touch. Yeah, it's not there's not a great deal there. The yeast is just bringing the sour, and I have to say that the the fruit purees are sitting front and centre, and then the sourness is kind of the afterwash as it goes down your throat. Yeah. I'm getting more of the sourness on the back of my tongue than I am on the forefront, so it's not stupidly sour. Mm. It's just giving you a nice, rounded, balanced, really very pleasurable sour beer. Yeah, it gives that. It's like coats the back of your mouth and the back of your tongue with that sort of sourness, right? Mm. Um. But I think, you know, I guess this style of beer tends to be super drinkable, like really smashable, very refreshing. Mm. But I think probably my only criticism, which is is not of Andy's beer and his brewing, but I guess of the style is that it can just be a little bit one-dimensional, a bit like there's not not much... that's the wrong way to put it. I don't think there's much complexity in the beer. No, I know what you're saying. You know? I know what you're saying. Um, but actually, that's not what the beer and the style aims to achieve. Um, but it's brewed really well. And it's, um, you know, I guess drinking it like on a dark, wet, windy January evening <laughs> is probably not ideal. You know, there's no. this on like in your garden sat in a chair in the sunshine would be absolutely glorious you know where i envisage this beer and i'm I'm gonna explain the scenario to kind of feel free if you're listening to this podcast right unless you're driving don't do this if you're driving okay but just close your eyes listen to what i'm saying and you can kind of imagine where i'm thinking about drinking this beer so it's a summer's day mid 20 degrees outside lovely warm wind you sat on the patio at the back of your back of your house you've got brisket on the smoker you know you've got your feet up your kids are playing at the bottom of the garden the wind's gently ruffling your hair if you've got any unlike me i haven't and you just you're drinking it because it's so unbelievably refreshing And I've said this before many, many times, okay? This drink, this beer, leaves my mouth feeling wet. And I like that sensation. I like to know I've had a drink after I've had a drink. It's not drying. It's not cloying. It's clean. And it leaves you wanting more. It's a real session banger, is what this beer is. Yeah, no, well said. 
Absolutely, I think you could do some serious damage to that. In the scenario, the, the beautiful scenario that you just depicted for us there, Chris. I mean, I'm an elegant, elegant, eloquent motherfucker. Yeah, it was beautiful. <laughs> Cheers, man. It was beautiful. Especially the brisket part, I really enjoyed that. You know, just the, the yeah. warp of a cooking brisket in the background. I mean, don't I don't think this would work too well with ribs. I think this needs the meatiness of a brisket or some or some Jacob's ladder. Yes. You know, short ribs, something like it needs some beef. I don't think this is quite to be fair, this isn't gonna go with tofu. Okay? So if you're a vegetarian, I'm sorry, I'm not including you in my <laughs> depiction. Okay? But if you're down and dirty with some beefy barbecue, this is the beer for you. And, um, you know, vegans and vegetarians are welcome at the podcast. They're more than welcome. I ate vegan yesterday. Bim, you know, pescatarians as well. Bibimbap, yes. Bibimbap. Except I didn't have an egg, so mine was vegan. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. So, how are we going to start this thing, Chris? We've talked about what we're drinking. What's... Well, I think we should probably break into... What we're brewing. What we're going to brew. So 2022. Brew. Yeah. So, I don't know. Is there any uh, Is there any particularly new styles of beer for you that you are thinking about brewing? <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention new styles of beer that I'm planning on brewing. Because I am planning on busting out one of these. I'm planning on busting out a fruited sour. Oh, nice. So I have the recipe, I have the yeast. The only thing I don't have is the fruit puree. Yeah. Now, I'm going to go down the route of brewing a cherry sour. Nice. Okay. I've got the recipe, and based on what I'm seeing on the front of Andy Clark's bottle, the only thing I'm not putting into mine is acidulated malt, because I don't live in Germany, and I don't have to abide by the Reinheitsgebot. So I'm just going to use acid, okay? I'm going to add a small amount of dextrose, probably about 400 grams. I want a, I want a pH of between 3.1 and 3.2. Are you going to use Philly Sour? I'm going to use the Philly Sour yeast. I'm going to use Pilsner, I'm going to use Carapils, and I'm going to use wheat. Hops, I'm going with straightforward Herzbrucker. Okay. Because I think that... I just think that that's, that spicy note will work well with the cherry and with the sour. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm going to use Morello Cherry Puree. And I'm going to ferment that one out and I'm going to see where that one goes. So that is the first new one for me. Nice. I'm going, I'm going straight in for a fruited sour. And weirdly enough, mine's going to be 3.8% because I figured keep it under four. Yeah, yeah. I think Berlin Vice normally is about three and a half three point six to four yeah tends to be quite low so i had thought it's about it's a child's beer it, i mean it's driver's lager isn't it yeah you know, <laughs> i had thought it's about driving beer. Uh, yeah i had thought about doing a full-blown kettle sour but given the results that some people have produced namely you graham and a couple of other people who've sent me sour beers, given the results that you guys have sent me, I genuinely think I don't have to do a kettle sour. I, I, I really don't think it's worth the effort now we've got Philly Sour. 
honestly don't think you. In fact, I would argue that perhaps Philly Sauer. It's, a, it's been a game changer. You can argue that actually you probably have more control over kind of the 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 pH of the beer if you're using yeah. the yeast rather than because you can influence things like adding dextrose. You can influence like when you add the fruit because if yeah. you add the fruit earlier, you get uh, a, a further drop in pH. If you add it later, it tends to not add quite so much sourness. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those beers where I genuinely think having a yeast which is a Saccharomyces strain, which produces souring, it produces the acid that you want to sour the beer, I don't think really that going straight in with a kettle sour is the right thing for me to do. Given I really don't want to have to throw away a an all-rounder well, with, you know, the thing is with kettle souring, you shouldn't have to. It won't affect your um, your um, FE. Okay. Uh, because you're because you boil it afterwards. Because you boil you? it afterwards, but it is a real pain. It is a pain in the ass because you have to do your mash, Vorloff, sparge, sour, sour it in effect for twenty four hours. Then you've got finished the brew day in terms of boil cooling in the FD. If I cleaning. can't normally get four hours to do a brew day, I'm, I'm not going to get two days, am I? No, well, the advantage is you it's shorter, so you're actually doing like maybe two hours and then another two hours. So, you know, it's, it's but it's just, and, and actually the results can be a little bit um, shady because you've got to, you've got to uh, purge with CO2. If you get too much oxygen in there, um, you can get butyric acid production you can get all sorts of weird stuff going on so you've got to be you got to be a little bit careful whereas with philly sour you don't run you don't run any of those risks really you just and pitch from, it yeah exactly right you just pitch like any other dry yeast and um actually i i don't think i've really perceived any significant quality difference between kettle souring versus you know, there's yeah. a there's a strong argument amongst those say on milk funk or those that are like real aficionados of souring, and uh, that souring using um, um, like spontaneous fermentation and other kind of um, bacteria, pediococcus or whatever, um, or using and actually pitching lactobacillus you get a more complex also they say more complex flavor to it and and you probably do to be fair i'm sure you do yeah i'm sure you do no but, but the reality is in something like a fruited berlin of ice is that complexity going to come through when you've put all that fruit on top of it i'm not really sure if it was ever really designed to uh that particular style to to warrant it, you know, I think kettle souring achieves what you want, which is just a soured, a nice clean soured beer. So yeah, it's a great option. I guess what you're going to be brewing at beginning of summer, June time. No, I was planning on brewing it around about Easter. Easter, okay. Mainly because I'll get a week to myself where the kids are at school. Yeah. 
So that week that I've got to myself, I am planning on knocking out two brews on that week. Yeah, so um, I guess the thing with, they should store, right? Adding fruit is always like a little bit tricky with then storing beers for a while, but. I mean, I'm, I'm not too fussed. I'm not planning on keeping it specifically for the summer. Yeah. I am planning on just making it and then drinking it and sending quite a lot of it out in beer mail. I'll look forward to it. Because basically every brew that I'm doing this next year of the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 beers that I've got planned, I'm planning on sending every single one of them out to you guys. Nice. I have been lax with my beer mail, and I believe it's time for me to basically sort my shit out and I've, look after the peeps that I love. You I've know? been in the same boat. Like I've been promising beer mail for way too long, and I need yeah. to just and and I haven't really even really got an excuse. You know, I've got like a bottling tap, <laughs> and yeah, so like, I, what, I don't know what stopped me doing it. There it is. <laughs> um, but I need to. Yeah, I need to do the same thing. So. I mean, here's the weird thing, right? I've had three, two or three beer mails off Brett Harmon. I've not sent him a single beer. No, I feel bad. Brett sent me a load of beer and I need to repay him big time. Yeah. I think I have actually, I, I have given him one one beer mail that I actually physically gave to him rather than mailed it to him, but, you know. Well, if April happens, I'm going to be bringing down a bag specifically for you boys. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a good way to do it. Nice. Indeed. So talking talking of soured beers, and talk a on, little bit Go about, on. actually it's technically not a beer that I've brewed in 2022, but the current beer that's in the DFV is a American farmhouse ale Ooh. that I've just made, which I have fermented not in the... Firmzilla, but I've used my stainless steel flat bottom FE uh, because I pitched um, a blend of yeast. So this is a Saison yeast that also has Brett in it. So Brett and Nemesis. So you're going goatee? Yeah. So, well, yeah, goatee, probably kind of fruit contributions, pineapple kind of thing that you can get from Brett. Um, you're, going, you're going full goat, mate. That's what it I is. I hope so, because I absolutely love that goaty funk thing. I know you do. You know, I'm a big fan of that. Um, Just remind me to give a shout out at the end of what, you, what you're talking about. All right, cool, cool. Um, so this is a like a dry hopped Saison with Brett, and it's got Sabro and Mosaic in it. Um, but in relatively small quantities, to be fair. So it should be a relatively balanced beer. It's taken an age to ferment out. It's just been fermenting so slowly for ages. And I literally dry hopped it yesterday. And when did we make it? I made it on the... Uh, when we caught up on the 27th. So I guess it hasn't wow. taken that long to ferment out. But Two weeks. What's that? Two weeks. And it was just like blup, 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 like that for a solid two weeks. You know when, like, most beers you make, within 24 hours, normally, <laughs> yeah, it's going off, right? Never yeah. did that. It just kind of plodded along nicely, which actually sometimes I think is quite often a good sign. Uh, you want yeah. a nice slow especially fermentation. When you, especially when it comes to Brett and the funky yeast and, yeah. the, and the bacteria and stuff that you can put in there. You want that nice, steady, because they're not supposed to be rocket ships. They are not quite. 
are not. They are the opposite. Um, and to be fair, I haven't. I haven't really. This is probably my first foray into using uh, Brett. I think I've used it once before. In fact, uh, this is a rebrew of a beer that I made, and I, which I think was actually only maybe my third beer I ever made. So your third beer was full on goat. Yes, it was a farmhouse saison. Yeah. Um, You're a brave man. Yeah. And actually, it did end up really goaty, but it didn't end up very sour. So I'm kind of hoping this one does come out a little bit more sour. What have you pitched to give it the sour? Um, the bile accounts, the... I don't know, because the yeast just says that it does add some souring. So I don't know what else might be in it. I guess it must be lacto, but... Um, so we'll see, we'll see. I was in two minds as to whether I actually pissed, pitched some lactobacillus as well, um, but that ship <laughs> that ship sailed. You may end up at pH two. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no. um, and it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what the Bretts brought because, in reality, the the goatiness and that kind of funk tends to only arrive after a long period of time. Um, it's normally so a we'll year, see. isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's it's once it starts really munching on the the unfermentables. So, are you just going to leave this for a year? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I may actually just try and put some in glass and then see what happens with it. Um, if I were you personally, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this storm properly, I'd give it at least six months. Yeah, I may just leave it in the keg. And I might keep it warm and see what it does. I'm sure. Can you not just leave it in the stainless fermenter? Yeah, potentially. But yeah, I could bring it inside. I'm guessing I want. Wanna... I'm not being funny, Brett. Uh, I'm not being funny, Owen. It's not going to get infected, mate. It already is. Yeah, this is true. Do you know what well, I mean? You could probably do this one know. open. I don't know. The last thing you want in there is a Cetabacter, though, isn't exactly it? Exactly really? right. If I get too much oxygen on it. There's a good chance it might end up like vinegar, um, but the I used the Omega Coast to Coast American Farmhouse yeast, which is um, produces a pleasantly dry beer filled out with aromas of white wine, hay, and mulled citrus. It's a wow. STA one positive gene, uh, so it has the ability to metabolize dextrins over time. Which I contributed, well, which I compensated for with the recipe design in not allowing too much, too higher OG. So I was kind of acknowledging the fact that I, what I didn't want it to end up being is, is like a 6.5% beer. Yeah, you don't so, want that. There you go. Anyway, that's, that's me talking about a beer that, I'm not actually going to brew in 2022, but I am going to drink in 2022. It isn't going to finish until August. Have you got Have you got any other um, sour beers slash? I do have an option to produce just a straightforward, unfruited sour, based upon a German pilsner. So essentially, okay. I'm just going to take a German Pilsner recipe that I've got, and instead of fermenting it out with a German Pilsner yeast, I'm going to ferment it out with basically 
Philly Sour. Okay, that could be quite interesting. Just to go for the straightforward, essentially, fruited one versus unfruited one. Are you going to sort of have like, um, are you going floor malted? Of course. Bohemian? Of course. Could, yeah, it could be quite interesting that. Even though, and I have this on fairly good authority, the price of that's going to hit 70 quid a sack soon. Wow. Yeah. Ouchies. Which is a bit much, really. But I've already got 50 kilos of it, so I'm not too fussed. Uh, We're all going to be producing very low ABV. Two point two percent. We're going to be like um, we're going to be de- decoction mashing for a two percent pilsner because we can, can't afford to spend seventy quid on twenty five kilo sack of grain. That's basically where we're going to end up. Absolutely. Nice. Um, but that's that's kind of the only two sours I've got planned at the moment. Mm. I don't really have any others planned. No. So. Well, I've got a lot along similar lines. Okay. Well, you keep talking. I need a beer. I've got. Um, I'm going to brew. In fact, I've entered a competition, which is the Lager Than Life competition, uh, which is due up in March. Uh, which, as you can guess, is a lager uh, competition. I can't remember the details and who's running it. Uh, but I haven't brewed this beer yet. But I have entered. Um, a Munich Helles. So this is um, a BJCP um, competition. So it's effectively brewing against the styles. So it's all about how close can you get to the precise description of the style. Uh, and I'm going to go for a Munich Helles, which I've never done before. Um, so yeah, that'll be quite that'll be quite interesting. Try and fantastic beer style. Play around with that. Um, Highly underrated that beer style. Yeah, so you know, I've got I've got the old floor malted Bohemian Pilsner, and I've got a recipe. I don't know whether I've got the yeast that I will need, but um, other than that, I'm pretty sure I've got everything else. Oh, what's this? Morgan Daggins. Can you read what it says? No. It says with ridiculous amounts of raspberries, blueberries, strawberries, and black currant. A sour candy vice beer. Oh wow! And it is sour candy vice beer. Yeah, I've got to give this one a go. Um, I'm gonna give this. I'm just gonna do a quick shout out, okay? For those of you who love craft beer, we're always looking out for a place which gives us a lot of choice, and more importantly, it gives us great customer service. Now. I've used these guys twice, okay? I've made orders from them twice. Once which I had it delivered, brilliant. Once which I went and picked it up, okay? Now, this place is called the Rainville Superstore, and it's in Leeds. It's actually just outside Armley. It has currently, in stock currently, 865 different beers from all over the world. And this shop, I walked into it when I picked up the order on Friday, yesterday, uh, and basically, it is wall-to-wall, outstanding, bangers. Just bangers, okay? At the moment, the only reason they haven't got the normal 1,300 beers is because they've kind of been hit pretty hard over the winter and over Christmas. 
uh, for people wanting IPAs and pale ales. So their IPAs and pale ale stocks gone down a bit. If you are after sour beers like this, crazy sour beers, as well as breaded goat beers, um, proper top end, amazing, like really, really, really heavily breaded beers, Rainville Superstore is a place to look. Reasonably priced, great customer service. And I told the guy, I said, look, You've been perfect. You've been brilliant. I'm going to give you a shout out on the podcast. Rainville Superstore in Leeds is a brilliant place to get beers from. Strange, there we go. strange choice of name for a beer shop. It's on Rainville Road. It used to be a supermarket. Okay, fine. And the guy decided he was making more money from craft beer than he was from selling bread. <laughs> okay, nice. I'll check it out. Especially given the mentions around how much breaded beer they might have. Well, they had at least 12 bottles of the Duchess de Bourgogne. Oh, I love that beer. I know you do. You have a real hard-on for it, don't you? I do. I've got a bottle in the uh, in the fridge, which I am doing my very best not to touch. Along with my bottle of Orval, which I'm intending to age. Oh, wow. So what's it? This so this is like probably gonna be a bit of a sort of soured milkshake type thing, maybe. No, this literally is a fruited Berliner Weiss. But it was described as candy. Yeah, sweet. So sweetened. All right. Uh, that's my terrible pour, by the way. That's not over. Yeah, that is that is awful. It looks quite hazy. It looks more than hazy. It looks murky. Opaque. <laughs> is it sour? It hurts here. <laughs> just... I remember when we went to the London Craft Beer Festival. One of the first beers you had was a sour, and you just took a sip. And I remember your, the look on your face was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, it was a bit much. It was a bit. That is lovely. Gotta love it. That is that is straight raspberry puree with beer in it. That nice." Nice, nice. So where do we go? Where do we go from here? Oh, mate. What other... Yeah, anyway. Ooh. Sorry, you were talking about... Munich Hellas. You were talking about your Munich Hellas, and I rudely interrupted you. I'm sorry, mate. No, I was kind of wrapped up, to be fair. Um, not a lot to be said, uh, other than, yeah, lager production. So I've got a couple of other lagers on the... Well, one's a kind of lager. Hybrid. The Kolsch. I've never made a Kolsch. A Kolsch is a great... I I will warn you right now, mate, it will not last long. I have made an alt beer, which is obviously similar. It's not. Well, when I say similar, it's it's also a a hybrid beer. Yeah, it's a similar yeast. I'm keen to make a Kolsch. I've also got Vienna Lager on my list. Have you ever made a Vienna Lager? Have I ever made a Vienna Lager? I've probably only made about 30 of them, yeah. No, all right. It is, without doubt, my favourite malt in the entire world, Vienna malt. And the flavour profile from a Vienna lager is, without doubt, probably one of my favourite flavour profiles of any beer ever. They're stunning. And they react really well to being noble hopped, as much as they react well to being New World Antipodean American hopped. Really? 
Interesting. Yeah, they work really well. So the only difficulty you're going to have is with your yeast choice, because your yeast choice is is key. Yeah, because I guess that's probably one of the key bits that differentiates it from, say, a Metzen, right? Because yes, a Metzen, predominantly, the base malt is Vienna. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know why I've got that on the list. I just haven't made one. I quite fancy making one. And I've also got along the German line, the lineage, is the Munich Dunkel. I've not made a Dunkel for so long. I'd like to make one. I know Tricky made one. Dunkel Fester. And the Dunkel Fester, and he sent a bottle of that to me. I even recorded a beer review for him, and the audio screwed up. So all I had was hissing all the way through. (laughs) the video I was absolutely devastated but I remember it being really good it was like it was obviously banana um, but like toffeed banana they're amazing it was awesome it tastes almost like bananas and caramel nice they're really really good they're, what, they're a very very nice style they're in my top ten for sure. Yeah, so I need to I need to rectify this. I know I don't have a good track record with German beers. Well, not so much German beers. <laughs> German beers that involve a hefeweizen and yeast. This is true. Um, so you know maybe the Munich Dunkel is my, you know, way in. It might be your Superman rather than your Kryptonite. I I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Three doors down, by the way. Three doors down. Three doors down, kryptonite. All right, I'm with you. Yeah. You got me. Yeah. You're feeling me, man. You're feeling me. Yeah, yeah. Um, An amazing beer style, and I really hope I receive a bottle of that because I'm I'm looking forward to that. Really looking forward. In fact, I'm looking forward to both of those the Dunkel and the Vienna. Yeah. They both sound amazing, mate. I would recommend, though, if you're going with the Vienna, don't go too heavy on the Saz. Okay. Lean on the pearl for your bittering rather than leaning on sass. Too spicy. The spicy note, I find it can be a little bit confused with the sweetness that you get from the Vienna malt, and it can almost override the Vienna flavour quite a bit. Yeah, uh, you see, I'm not a big fan of pearl, so... Um... Use it for bittering. You don't really notice it late on in the beer. Uh, okay. But if you use the sass for bittering, you still get the spicy note coming through in the final taste. Nice. Good advice. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you got on your... Next on your list. <laughs> what about the microphone? You were muting yourself. I, I was, again. yeah. I, I, yeah. I got a little bit trigger happy. Just to let happy. you know, if you look at your video ninja window and you can just mute yourself on a mic there, it mutes you on Audacity so you don't need to touch Audacity. Oh, winner. I was today years old when I found that out. Good. There you go. Can you hear me now? There you go. It's a miracle, right? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Saves us from pausing Audacity all the time. I better make sure mine's still running. Yeah, Yeah, it is. That's good. Okay, so uh, the next one that's on my list is after the overwhelming success that was Mr. Richard Brooks with his N-word, I'm planning on using... And if you want to know about the N-word, then you need to go to my my other channel on YouTube, which is Homebrew Reviews with El Chemist. Uh, currently nine videos up there, so you know which one you're looking for. Big Green Biohazard sign. 
Uh, that's me doing reviews of homebrew that people have sent to me. I did five reviews in one day whilst we were having a, uh, a bit of a session on the 27th of December. And the standout beer for me on that day was the N-Word by Richard Brooks, which was basically a pale ale which had been hopped exclusively with Nelson Sobin. And it was, without doubt, beer of the year for me last year. <coughs> it was the best beer, commercial or home-brewed, that I drank last year. It was phenomenal. A latecomer. Oh, I'm telling you, man. I swear, if I'd have had a keg of that, that would have been all I would have been drinking from the moment I tried it. It was a latecomer to the uh, to the charts. Stormed the it charts. Was, it was. It busted straight in at number one. It was a great, great, great beer. I need some. Um, I need some Nelson saving in my life. Well, I'm ordering a kilo, so you know. Yeah, that's. I was literally looking at uh, a kilo and get a brood yesterday. My next hop order from Get a Brood is currently up to 160 quid. I'm uh, I'm drinking a beer from Madison Rose Brewery. S H Oakham Stump. Oakham Stump. Yeah, sounds like a good one. Six point one percent. So anyway, in homage to Mr. Richie Brooks with his N word, which I'm planning on recreating just so I've got a keg of it myself. Uh, I'm planning on producing a range of single hopped pails utilizing the same grain bill and the same hop timings just adjusting the amounts of hops so that I end up with roughly the same number of IBUs. Um, I really want to get down and dirty and deep into some of these hops that I've been using exclusively in a blend with other hops. Uh, and I just really want to, I really want to get in there and just see where I can, where I can take these hops as far as hot side versus cold side versus you know, Whirlpool versus dry hop. And I just want to see where we end up with these beers. So I've currently got four hops that I want to try in that single hop style, but I'm planning on making one, at least one batch of the N word, because that was quite literally the best beer I had last year. So what hops are you going to think about using instead? Well, I'm planning on trying El Dorado. Nice. I'm also planning on doing one which is purely Galaxy. Mm. That 2016 Galaxy that everybody wants that I've got. You son of a bitch. I know, I'm a dirty bastard, Anna. Um, and I'm also planning on using uh, the one that Tricky put into the last hop tester, that Most. Yeah. Or Must, however you pronounce Most. it. I'm planning on doing one in exactly the same vein. Because Tricky obviously limits himself to 100 grams because that's the hop tester recipe and style. But I'm planning on going hardcore with it and seeing seeing where I can really take that strawberry flavour. Um, and yeah, the other one, which will come as no surprise to anybody, is I'm going in there with Bramling Cross. <laughs> Amazing. There's a Bramling Cross Neeper on the list as well. But... I firmly believe Bramling Cross is an underused hop and I'm going to see what I can do to kind of... Well, I mean, it's a tester, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, yeah. It's a tester. We're going to see where we end up. Well, I mean, speaking of Bramling Cross, I mean, I'm drinking the Hokum Stomp, which is um, almost exclusively hopped with Bramling. Um, and the, the fruit flavour on it is insane. 
Yeah, I know, it's mad, isn't it? Like, it just leaps out. It's bonkers. As soon as you put that, as soon as you put that into a dark beer, all you get is fruit. It's crazy, isn't it? I wonder if you it's... will get the same out of a a lighter, paler beer. There we go, that's what we're going to test. Do you tend to, I mean, I can't, I'm not sure if I've actually had, had a pale beer with Brambling Cross in it. I've had one, but I made it myself. I'm pretty and it was sure. way back in the early years of my brewing, so. I actually, say, saying that, I did Persistently Bitter with Brambling Cross. Mm. I'm pretty sure I did. But that was, well, that's technically not, really a pale beer though is it it's a bit more of like an amber beer really isn't it it's a bitter it's an amber bitter mm. quite literally with the grain bill tell you what my so the next podcast we're going to be doing which is on the 22nd of january so put that in your diary that is going to be the rerun with matt curtis uh, who unfortunately couldn't join us uh on the previous podcast which was back in december was it December? It was a while ago now, wasn't it? It was December. Yes. Um, I'm going to be sending out uh, a hop tester of my own. So I've taken Tricky's hop tester recipe and I have made it with a mystery hop. And I reckon when you taste this one, Chris, you might be quite tempted. Is it Magnum? It's Magnum. I've made an all Magnum hop tester. How did you guess? Sounds outstanding, man. It's going to be incredible. Yeah, I've got a kilo of that if you want any. Uh, I've already put a kilo in the hot test. <laughs> 970 so. gram dry hot. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I only got four bottles out of the uh, fee. So wow, you had to squeeze them out I as well. Did. I, I did, yeah. yeah. It's going to be really green for a while, guys. Sorry. <laughs> for a while. <Yeah. laughs> for a while. I'd probably leave it, maybe, you know, for a while. A year? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so that would be quite interesting. So I'm surprised you didn't say Azaka on that list because I thought you were had a bit it's of a hard-on for... It's in the FA. Is it? Okay, so yeah, I thought yeah. maybe you'd be going like N-word with, with uh, the Azaka. The A-word? The A-word, yeah. I'm going to say, let me see if I can pop this up because I should be able to do this utilising the things that I've already got set up on the... Uh, on the, what do you call it here? So, display capture, there you go. You can see it now in the bottom corner on YouTube if you have a look. Oh. Um, that's the recipe for the A word that I went with. Oh, so you've already made it. I've already made it, mate. Oh, it's amazing. in the FB. It just needs to transfer it. Oh, I knew I knew that you were banging on about doing it with Az, um, with Azaka, so yeah. I'm impressed that uh, you've cracked on and done that. Oh, I'll, it I'll it is one of my favourite beers. I look forward to trying it. It's um, sorry. It's one of my favourite hops, is Azaka. I I really like it. I love the fruity flavours that you get from it. It's very nice. Yeah, I mean, I I think Azaka. Um, have you had uh, Conflux from Unity? Yes, and I, I had it in Tapped. I'm pretty sure that's Columbus and Azaka, and that's a great combination. I think Columbus. Has a lot more places in uh, later in the boil than just the humble bittering that it normally mm. gets resigned to. CTZ, I firmly believe, is a hop that's on its way back. Mm. 
I also, whilst we're talking about this whole N-word, A-word, single hop thing, is once I get to the end of my N-word, single hop, A-word, you know, all the other hops, or B-C-word, whatever you want to call them, I'm actually going to do a beer which is Nelson and Azaka. Because Nelson's a stunner. Hot side, cold side is so unbelievably different. And I'm I'm going to mix up the Nelson on the hot side with some Azaka late in the boil. So it's actually boiled, not just whirlpooled. With a Nelson and Azaka whirlpool and then a Nelson and Azaka dry hop and see where we end up with that. That sounds like a winning combo. It's that Nelson platform. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's that... It's that that Antipodean lime base with the fruit over the top, that's what I'm aiming for. Yeah, and I, I think can't wait. Like Nelson Nelson brings so much more than just the lime thing there, doesn't it? It's, it's it really does. It's a real splendid, splendid hop. And I guess, actually, you might argue that like Nelson's probably surpassed Galaxy these days. It definitely has. Um, Galaxy's not been the same since 2016. No, it hasn't. And, you know, it was in such short supply... And it's just not quite as good as it used to be. And, you know, you still see it in some beers, but I'm probably seeing a lot more beers with Nelson in them than I am with Galaxy. Nelson's far easier to cultivate, though, from what I understand. Oh, okay. So speaking of uh, speaking of Nelson, so, you know, I think we touched on this uh, on one of the previous podcasts, is I'd really like to, and it's not on my list, but I'd really like to try and figure out... Um, uh, a recipe for the verdant unconventional tactics that's the black and white one that i forced down your throat at the beer festival isn't it i don't think it was actually no the unconventional tactics is the the all nelson um double ipa and then they've also got conventional tactics which they've now released which is the right. six and a half percent version which i think i might have i don't know which one i prefer but they're both absolutely amazing and they're all Nelson, more or less. I think there might be something else hot side, but um I think that was what Richie Brooks said. I think I said he I think he said that he thought his N word was gonna go down the same route as conventional and unconventional tactics. Yeah. Well that's kind of I guess the where he's used all Nelson. Um and I I like that idea, so yeah, I'm probably gonna rip it off uh, but I'm going to probably try and do it in a six and a half to eight percent full on dipper dipper the hazy New England IPA basically you know the problem that's going to happen there though don't you Owen uh, I'm going to drink it all before you get started. you're going to really enjoy this beer <laughs> right and you're going to end up doing nine pints on a Tuesday night not likely not likely <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I'll leave Mon de Bevis to Andy. Leave that one to Mr. Lynch. Oh yeah. So that was Absolutely. a little little foray. Um, talking of hazy beers, obviously I've got go. quite a few hazy beers on the list. I mean, I'm just going to finish my beer while you talk about. And that. I was actually Have you seen this. This is fruit puree. It is right. This I is this think is it looked just a bit fruit chunky. It's. It's amazing, right? If you want a decent beer, and you can get this from Rainville Superstores, it's called Gut Gris. I don't know how to pronounce that properly. He's used in the house. If he is used, tell us how to pronounce it. Uh, it's only a 330ml can, 
and it is it's only four and a half percent but this is an absolute banger this is a really nice beer how, i mean it's not really a it, beer like four different fruits in there it's got raspberry raspberry blueberry strawberry and blackcurrant nice that's a good it's combo. amazing that's a good combo it's amazing it's a it's a summer fruit puree so it's, in a beer so yeah i mean it's almost a triple fruit gazer without the salt yeah yeah nice nice so talk, Very nice talking of Columbus and Zaka, I have actually got, you know, the hazy pale ale recipe that I came up with. And if you're a subscriber or watcher of my YouTube channel, I, I did a video on this. So I was trying to perfect um, a, a sub 4% hazy pale ale. Um, and I'm thinking about doing a Columbus and Zaka version with London Ale 3. Um so that's on the list to do. I really want to do a New England IPA, but use the um, funky pineapple um, yeast from WHC. I'm pretty sure I've used that. Um, which is an ST, STA1 gene. They thought it used to be a Brett. They used to think it was a Brett yeast, uh, and they actually discovered that it's um, that it's In that not. I've not used that it. It's, really that it's a sack yeast. But apparently chucks loads of pineapple, um, so I'm quite quite keen to try that out. I'm pretty sure Timmy did a Nipa with it. Um, what else have I got? I want to do a dipper. I've already talked about that. It might be that conventional tactics, but that said, I've been getting really into my West Coast beers recently. Yeah, you've been banging on about Westies for a while, yeah, haven't you? Yeah, I had quite a few in like the advent calendar that I bought, which was the Craft Metropolis one. Um, Yours for the low, low price. For the low, low price of one and a half ton. But it was, it was full of absolute bangers, like big Imperial Stouts, double IPAs, um, loads of really interesting beers, but I had quite a few West Coast beers in there, and I just really enjoyed them. And so I'm pretty keen to do uh, a West Coast IPA. Whether that's a double IPA, I don't know, but I am definitely going to brew a recipe that is in this book. Oh, I'm sorry if I got really loud then. Uh, Ewan Ferguson's craft beer book, which is um, which I bought a little while ago, and I've not made any recipes from. Uh, but it's got Brewdog, Brewdog Brooklyn, McKellar, Anchor, Evil Twin, Beaver Town, Colonel. Um, all right, those names, other than a few, probably make it sound a bit shit. But there is a beer in here which is called Union Jack which is from Firestone Walker, uh, which is a 7.5% West Coast IPA, um, which is Cascade, Centennial, Amarillo and Simcoe in the dry hop, made with uh, WLP13, which is London Ale, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, but if you want to like see the picture of it, nice crystal clear... Mm big west coast ipa like i am 
bang on for making that. In fact, I'm going to make that very soon. I have to say that to to disappoint you slightly, there are absolutely no IPAs aside from the Southern uh, Bramling Cross Nipa on my list at all. That's where you and I differ, Chris. It is. It is. I reckon at least half of the beers on my list are probably IPAs. Well, the next beer on my list, glossing over the Bramling Cross Nipa, which I've kind of already talked about, is the second the, the second place beer from last year for me by our own bald-headed schmuck, Luke Stevens. I'm going to be making the Southern Jesse. Which, for those of you who've never made Good the choice. Southern Jesse or never tasted the Southern Jesse, you need to speak to Luke Stevens. He's in the chat right now. Send him a message. Tell him to get his bald head in gear and that overly coiffured beard that he has. Post a link to his brew father for Southern Jesse, which is a pilsner hopped entirely. With these Kent Goldings. It's a winner. Who would have thought that would work? Absolute winner. And I would I would point out though, I think it that beer justifies uh floor malted Bohemian Pilsner. Oh yes. You you need some good Pilsner malt to go you with that beer. You need some very good Pilsner malt. Absolute banger. Like banger. Really crisp clean wonderful flavor almost fruity definitely but fruity. at the same time at the same time it's definitely got that that spice that you get from ekg and that it's definitely got that floral nature as well it works yeah, so it's a spicy so, so floral well. fruity bouquet it's a stunner. It's the first time it's, I've used the word bouquet on the podcast. I'm going to refrain to never use it again. I mean, you used terroir once. I've said terroir more than once. I nearly kicked you off the pod the first time you used that, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's using a fucking word there. I don't know. What's going it's on? Like, right, that's it. But it, it's just, it's a superb beer in Southern Jesse. And, you know... What more needs to be said? It's a banger. Use it. Go for it. Brew it. It's amazing. Good, good choice that. And and for Luke to just sort of kind of come up with that effectively experimental take a Pilsner recipe and use an English hop, you know, that's an exciting step in the right direction, isn't it? It's it's I don't want to use the phrase something about a foreskin, but um, he is pushing back the foreskin of brewing science with that one. <laughs> I just teed up for you. You did. Cheers, buddy. <laughs> out the park, home run. Oh, nice. Beautiful, beautiful beer. So I want to talk. I want to talk briefly about a beer that um, Graham Hughes, um, good friend of ours, excellent home brewer, supporter of podcast, um, sent me. Legend semi not so long ago which was his cali common um and i was absolutely blown away with that that was that was one of my beers of the year i think 
And in fact, I've got another one of Graham's beers on my list to brew. Which I don't know whether he sent you one of these, which was the um, the Baltic Porter. The Oh, I, I had the George's Washington. Yeah, yeah. the George's Washington. I mean, I, I, I did a beer review on my uh, YouTube channel, which is the Blue Trouser Brewer, for anyone that's listening and wants to check it out. Um, shameless plug. There's a beer review in there, and that beer was out of this world. I mean, it was uber complex. Uh, it was a big beer, big dark Baltic porter, um, but it was just, it was insane. So nice. It was a very, very good beer. I had a bottle of that. It was and amazing. crafted beautifully by Graham. Oh, yeah. Um, not yeah. an easy style to nail, I don't think. It was wasn't that he, he modified the one out of the camera book, didn't he? Uh yes. He modified it slightly. I don't know how exactly he modified it, but he did. I'll have to ask. Another him. great, great beer. Really, really good beer. It was. Uh, it was a. Peach. You're only down the road from him, aren't you? Yeah, well, you're probably an um, hour, hour drive. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful beer. Well done. Um, to be fair, he gave me uh, when he came up for the Leeds weekend. He gave me a coffee and chocolate porter, mm. which was a recipe that he'd had as a, as he calls it, as a cart filler from the malt miller. My God, that was a good beer as well. The coffee porter, that was a banger. That was, that was really, really I good. actually, like, I remember I made probably my very first porter, which was from the Bible, which was the brown porter. Not sure if you've ever made it. Um... And I brewed it, and I was like, you know what, this is just yeah, something missing. So I decided to chuck some coffee at it and turn it into a coffee porter. And that was a re- actually a really nice brew. And I remember drinking Graham's coffee porter, which arguably was a lot better. But um, And it reminded me about how much I enjoy uh, a coffee porter. Absolute peach. While we're talking about porters... Um... I'm planning a rebrew of the legend. What's the legend? The o- the only brew I've ever made that I have been of my own beers that I have been utterly astounded with the way that it came out. Yeah. And that was the rum and banana porter. Yes. That is going that is going to happen again. It's definitely going to happen again. Um now that I don't have to put it in my freezer to get the bananas to the drop to the bottom to be able to siphon off the top and I can just literally cold crash it to half a degree and just, you know, use the, uh, the what do you call it, the all-rounder to basically to, to get the beer off. Um, I'm planning on remaking the rum and banana porter because that, that was a beer that absolutely scared me when I tried it because I'm like, how is this so good? Mm. How is this beer so bloody good? And it worked. Rum and banana in a porter base, hints of coffee, sweet banana, lovely warming rum, great, great beer in a good. And I think the porter base for that was one that I got out of How to Brew. All right, yeah. By is it Graham Hughes, Gary Hughes, somebody Hughes? No, it's um, Palmer, isn't it? Is it John Palmer? John Palmer, Whichever one it is. house brew. 
Whichever one it was, it was the porter base out of there and I just decided to throw some rum and some banana at it and that worked really well as well. So that's another one that's on my list to, to be redone. So, winner, yeah. Winner, winner, it's chicken in, dinner. Again, it'll be going out in beer mail. So if you want to get down and dirty with the beer mail, then you just have to let me know, basically. Well, I mean, that's an open invitation. There's 12, in fact, there's nine people currently listening, so <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm not sending any abroad, though, so if you're foreign, you're out of luck, you're going to have to make it yourself. <laughs> You'll share the recipe. Speaking I'll of, definitely share the recipe. Speaking of your recipes, I have got two on my list. One is clearly persistently bitter, which I'm just going to have to rebrew to get on the handball. Um, but the other, according to form, Jay Fork has made it has. so far. Thomas H has made it from Sweden, Norway, wherever he is. Yeah. Um, there's a few people who've made persistently bitter, and I've not had one single bad bit of feedback about it yet. So I'm happy. Oh, Jay Fork was waxing lyrical about it earlier. It is a great beer. Um, so the other one, Chris, is the Mango Hef. The mango hefe. The mango hefe is going to go. You're going dirty with the hefes this year. On the list. So I remember you saying about how wonderful that beer was. And and I remember giving... You had a bottle of that beer. I think I did. And it was very, very good. And I remember saying that actually just a little bit of lactose might just lift it back. the mango lassi version yeah i might go i'll add that on mango lasse lassi hefe so yeah that's gonna get brewed up i reckon probably summertime for that baby yeah that that one will be made by me probably sometime around about early july yeah right hit up some of the ones on your list because i'm gonna have to leave you to it for a minute I'm I'm pretty much out, but one of the styles that I'm planning on doing that I've not done before is an ESB. Now, I'm going to put this one out there to the listeners of the Hop Edition. If you have a tried and tested and what you consider to be good recipe for an ESB, then please, please let me have the recipe because I'm struggling to find any that have got good feedback with the exception of Clive Cutters. And I know Clive's is a good one because there's a lot of other people who've made Clive's. They all say it's a great recipe. Um, but obviously being a scientist, I can't just take the first result. I have to have a few and then work my way through because that's basically how I work. Um, but an ESB is definitely on my list. I have a really good yeast for it, which is the Lalmand London Dried Strain. I want to try that. I want to see where that ends up. But really, if you've got a recipe for an ESB, share it with me. I'm still in the planning phase of that one. It'll probably be done later on in the year. So end of September, early October time, I'm planning on doing that one. Um but if I can if I can get an ESB in a keg, I'm gonna be very happy with that. Owen's back. I'm back. What were you just talking about? Oh, ESBs. So I've I've got ESB on my list, but 
but I'm still in the planning phase. I'm still trying to find a recipe. Gary Hughes has just offered me a recipe for his ESB. Literally right now on chat. Gary, please send that over, mate. When I've made it, I'll make sure I send you a couple of bottles along with whatever else I've got on my taps at the time. Yeah, I'd be keen to uh, see that recipe too. I think ESBs are, are notoriously a difficult style to brew, actually, to just get that, that it's the balance of it all. So it just it doesn't come out too dark and roasty or it doesn't come out too pale and it coming out of the right ABV to fit the style and it not being too thin. You know, you realise actually that a lot of people don't brew the classic traditional English styles, right? When you get into no. home brewing it tends to be like most people most people go big and hoppy or big and dark or you know, in your case, German, you know, whatever. Um, but it's actually traditional English styles of beer are, are actually really difficult to brew. And they are... Why do you think it took they're me... They're so nuanced and, you know... Yeah, it took me It took me literally seven iterations to get persistently bitter to where it is. And Thomas has just turned around and gone, his third batch of persistently bitter has just finished. <laughs> You know you're doing it right when somebody from Norway or Sweden or wherever he is, uh, I think he's Sweden, isn't Sweden, he? yeah. Yeah, uh, is making your beer in probably one of the coldest climates on Earth. Respect. I did read that comment. I was like, my third PB is finished. I was like, personal best? His third personal best. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what? Okay, whatever. Oh, legend. Yeah, uh, that's that's where I... a lot Like you say, it's really, really difficult to nail a good English style, okay? So even an English pale ale is difficult to nail. A, an English bitter is difficult to nail. An English IPA is really difficult to nail. Porters are hard to nail, especially in an English style using English hops. You know, you've, you've got a lot of English styles which are really, really tough to get right. And like you say, one of the things that people tend to miss is they tend to miss the mouthfeel. Yeah. They tend to miss the the balance of the... For want of a better term, they get the boo-to-goo wrong. That's what they tend to do. Yeah. And that's where I spent as much time as I did with Persistently Bitter getting it to where it is, was balancing everything. Some batches that I did, I had far too many hops... Other batches, I had far too much yeast flavour. Other batches, I had far too much of the darker malts in there and it came out a little insipidly sweet. Yeah. And once you get that balance right and you hone it, you're good. And I will totally let you know what I think of it, Gary. Absolutely. Absolutely, I will. So that's me, an ESB. I've only got one more beer on the list that I'm definitely going to brew. Go for it. Brown ale. Interesting you mentioned brown ale. Aussie's brown ale. My son. Aussie's brown ale. Aussie's brown ale. So, to um, what extent? Explain to me. I know that your son came up with this idea of brown ale. And to what extent did. did he contribute and or write the recipe? Okay, so... We were talking about a beer that we wanted to make together because he decided he wanted to spend a day brewing with his dad. And I'm like, well, what do you think? What do you want? And believe it or not, 
version four of Persistently Bitter, or version three of Persistently Bitter, actually, had just gone into the keg. And it was sitting there and it was waiting to be tried. So I came down to the shed and I pulled myself, you know, just a small glass, had a couple of gulps, and there was about that much left in the bottom. And I put the glass down and I went into the house to grab something. I came back and my glass was empty. Right? Clearly Oscar had nicked the last of it. There was only probably 10 or 15 mil left in the glass. It was not an issue. Um, and he said, Daddy, I like this beer. I want to make something like this. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. Let's go back into the house and grab my brewing books. And we'll see what we can come up with. And we went in and we were looking at some of the books that I had. And he came up with a northern brown ale and a southern brown ale. Now, I can't remember which book it's in, but I think it might be How to Brew. Right? And he's got the two side by side. And he went, well, we've used that hop before in a brew, Daddy, and I didn't like that one. And then we've used them hops in a brew, Daddy, and I didn't like the smell of them ones. And I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, then. Let's let's come up with a recipe together. So we sat down and we wrote it out on paper. It was basically an exercise for me to get my son to read a book. That's what it was. And he was reading it and he was he was struggling with some words and we went through them together and we got to the end. And it's basically the recipe that he's come up with them is a mashup of a northern brown ale and a southern brown ale with some quintessentially English hops in it. And that's where we came up with it. And the yeast that we used was the only yeast that we had in the house, which was SO4. So it's effectively a Midlands brown ale. It's somewhere around about Birmingham, yeah. <laughs> So, but weirdly enough, it works really well. It's a well. Birmingham brown ale. It's a Birmingham brown ale. Not a recognised style, but not yet. But give it time. Nice. I invented the IPL, mate. So, I've also got two brown ales on my list to brew. One is Janet's brown ale, which is a pretty famous, um, a pretty famous homebrew recipe um is janet a good brewer no it was just names janet's brown ale it was it won quite a lot of awards it's an american brown ale uh made by mike tasty mcdoll who i think died last year or the year before um and it's quite a big brown ale so it comes in at somewhere between six and a half and seven and a half percent um, so just quite fancy just brewing that um, and seeing I've never made an American brown ale and uh, yeah fancy doing that and the other brown ale that I've got is a creation of my own which is I'm gonna, I'm calling the campfire brown ale which was inspired in, uh, there was a guy that I know from work that brews um, he came up with a similarish kind of idea that inspired me to kind of think about this recipe, and what I'm kind of going for is. Please tell me it's not marshmallows. It's a smoky kind of marshmallowy sort of brown ale. Yeah, so I'm going to use um, some biscuit malt in there. Okay. I'm going to use some. Provoke. Have you ever heard of Provoke hops? I've been accused of provoking, but I've never used Provoke hops. No. Yeah, or Provoke or Provoke. Um, 
So this is a a a pelletized hop that they have used wood dust effectively like compressed that into the hops. That sounds horrific. So you are effectively kind of adding like a a barrel aged wood to the beer. I mean this wow. this is like probably more on the experimental end of my you think? brewing. Yeah, so I'm going <laughs> I'm going to use Talus and I'm going okay. and I'm going to use Chinook. So I want that piney thing from the the Chinook and I want the sage um herbaceous character of the Talus, neither of which mm-hmm. are going to be particularly big. And I am also going to use vanilla and potentially some lactose in there as well. But I don't know. I would probably leave the lactose out. I don't know. I think, yeah, maybe it's just going to take it too far. It's going to be Santa goes down under is what it is. Yeah. If you put too much in there, sometimes less is more. I think That's all I'm saying. I think you're right. I mean, I revisited this recipe a little while ago and I scaled it back. Right. Was it originally fourteen percent? No, no, no. Like not ABV wise, but I had like quite a few more other malts because currently it's got one, two, three, four, five, six malts in it. Right. But one of which is just a smoked malt. But otherwise, it's a relatively straightforward brown ale recipe, which is Golden Promise brown malt, biscuit malt, dark crystal, and chocolate malt. Right. Okay. And then. I'm gonna ferment it out with uh, just a English ale yeast. Have you have you read Gary's comment? I haven't. No. He's a professional floor sander, and he says it sounds horrific to have wood dust compressed into yachts. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. So you get two versions of provoke, which is an American version and an English version. So they've obviously used American hops or English hops. And then they've added in that oak dust, effectively. I mean, it could be phenomenal. I mean, I th- I mean, uh, they came out a few years ago. These these provoke, provoke hops didn't really hear a huge amount about them. I wonder why. The idea was that it would add this sort of, I guess, barrel aged type thing. But I'm, I'm just going to remind you of know. your last experiment in barrel <laughs> aging. <laughs> okay, well, but it was a good experiment. I learned something from it. It was outstanding if you left it for a year. Yeah, so don't leave. It was a phenomenal don't leave beer. a beer on wood for more than a year. Eighteen months. Yeah. Yes. No, I have to say that a lot of your beers have really got me licking my lips, mate. I have to say, some of them sound absolutely phenomenal. Um, you might get to try for some me. The only other beer which, and I, oh for God's sake, you rancid little pissant! I'm guessing that's uh, report. I'm, I'm guessing audacity just Remove. stopped. No, some ruskies just popped up and posted a link to a porn website. <laughs> okay, fucks on the chat. I swear to God, these people have absolutely no manners whatsoever. Fuck off and eat some cabbage, you prick. Right. Um, 
as far as as far as my my this last beer okay now tell me if this just sounds crazy all right feel free tell me i'm a nutter right i'm planning on doing a pilsner but i'm planning on adding no souring but i'm planning on adding raspberries and hibiscus okay but without the sour fine is it going to be too sweet i guess your raspberries are going to dry out i don't know what hibiscus is going to add there's a risk i just i really like the hibiscus flavor personally i always find raspberries can often add quite a lot of astringency to a beer, if I'm honest. Now, I think it's probably better if you use a raspberry puree over actually using raspberries. I think it's... No, I would. I would. I think um, it's the seeds, the, the seeds that add the astringency. They tend to give an almost almondy flavour, which I'm not sure that I like so much. Do. You remember Matt Callaby when he first did the... Um, was it a mango Hefeweizen that he oh, did? was the apricot Hefeweizen. Apricot. That's he probably got to go on the list. That definitely has to go on the list, to be fair, because that was an utter banger. I haven't tried um, it. I haven't so, had the pleasure of trying it. Oh, my good Lord. Mate, I sat for 40 minutes nursing that pint. This is after I'd basically done half of it in four gulps. It was a stunner. Um, slow down. So he, slow down, Chris. Slow down. It, it was literally, it was a slow the fuck down. This is going to go. We don't have any more. Um, it was, it uses a certain type of fruit puree that you buy off of Amazon. And it comes in litre pouches with a screw top. It's a silver packaging. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but he basically, he did this, he did this apricot wheat. And I bought some of the fruit puree for making uh, non-alcoholic cocktails. Um, and I remember trying the raspberry puree, and it was so good. I had to add Jack Daniels to it. It was amazing. But the wife really, she quite enjoyed it. In fact, I don't know if the wife actually got any. It might have just been me making a load and drinking it in front of the telly. But it was, it was stunning. It was amazing. And I really want to try the hibiscus with the raspberry puree in a pilsner base i just want to see how it turns out mainly so that i can do one with blueberries and hibiscus and one with raspberry and hibiscus and have a matrix themed film night at my place with the red pill and the blue pill all right that sounds great i think i think it could work i think it could work quite nicely I just love the hibiscus flavour. I think it's really nice. Yeah, I um, I can't in my mind pinpoint what hibiscus tastes like, but I know I do like it. Mm. Um, go for it. The other thing for me is hibiscus flowers was part of World of Warcraft. Uh, so it's kind of, it's kind of hints back to uh, World of Warcraft with the. Um, the wet one where you go to after you've left. Um, I don't know, never played it. It's in Burning Crusades anyway. Um, but yeah, that was um, that was the whole thing for me with that. So I do believe that we're an hour and 20 minutes into this and we've yet to do a commercial break. I was about to suggest the same thing. 
We've got to because I have a very, very, very special beer in that have fridge. That I really want to drink. Oh yes, I happen to have. A, oh my! I happen God. to have a very special beer too. I happen to have two very special beers. We may have to have two commercial breaks on this one. So, oh well. Wow. Uh, guys, amuse yourselves for a minute or so. Owen, you talk to the people about wonderful stuff. I'm going to go and siphon a python and grab a beer. Well, I'm going to probably talk to them about my commercial beer. Or do you... Well, don't do that because I won't be able to listen. All right. Well, I'll talk about one of, one of my other beers that I'm going to. Okay, you, you do that then. I'll be back in a minute. So, what else is on my list? My list is slightly longer than Chris's. It's an ambitious list. Uh, I think there's 20 or so beers on here. I've got to start trying to brew more for the handpool. One of my favourites, actually, is the Dead Pony Club clone, which there's some pretty decent clone versions out there. There's even an official version that BrewDog has released, as they do publish all of their beer recipes in homebrew format. Um, and I've brewed the home the Dead Pony Club a number of times, and I really want to try it on the handpool. Um, a hoppy, sessionable beer. Um, so... I'm going to have, have a crack at that and see how that comes out. Um, and I will probably rebrew um, the Shadow Beast Black IPA, which I think is has been an absolute winner the two previous times that I've brewed it, uh, which again is an elusive brewing um, recipe, which is also on their website. If you go to elusive brewing... Um, I'm not sure what the exact website name is, but Google that and you'll find it. Uh, so they are a UK-based small craft brewery. Um, a well worth a dabble. If you are interested in a black IPA, I've made it twice. It's excellent. And another beer that I'm keen to rebrew that I made a couple of years ago, probably three years ago, is Zombie Dust which is a clone from Three Floyds, which is an American brewery. It's a pretty famous beer, craft beer, and this is an all-citra um, IPA. And I made it once before. It was pretty good, and I want to revisit it, given, I guess, how much further my home brewing has come along since you know three years ago when i first started out so i'd like to have another pop at doing zombie dust but i am partly acknowledging how many beers are in the seven percent plus category uh, on my list of things to brew probably i'm gonna need to mix it up uh <laughs> we'll see we'll see about that anyway chris is chris has just flown flown straight into cracking a beer open do you want to go? Do your commercial slot? Can I do it? Do you mind? Go nuts. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. I love the kernel. I'm going dirty. I love the kernel. I'm going dirty. Now, the reason why I went for the apricot and not the peach, which I've got... Is it peach, the other one? Might so be what peach. is this for, for the benefit of our podcast listeners? I'm sorry, yeah, because people are listening and not just watching. They can't they? So see. this is by... This is by the Colonel Brewery in London, and it is a Bière de Saison with apricot. A 5.1% ABV beer 
which literally on the back says bottle conditioned beer store upright and pour gently if you prefer to leave the yeast sediment inside the bottle which i don't really care about it was bottled on the 12th of the 1st 2021 and it is a blend of saisons re-fermented in the tank with 500 grams per litre of whole British apricots. It contains water hops, sugar, yeast, barley, oats and wheat. And it's made by the Colonel Brewery on Spa Road in London. Now this is one of those beers where I have wanted ever since Tricky or somebody, it might have been Owen or it might have been it might have even been Andy, who actually had a bottle of the Colonel on one of the podcasts. And I have wanted this ever since, to the point where I've got a clean glass from off the shelf with a few fingerprints on it, but a clean glass, and I'm going to try this one. So was it, I'm pretty sure it was Tricky, wasn't it, that had, was it this exact beer? It was the Apricot Saison from the Colonel. I think it may well have been. Yeah. Now, I've wanted to try this for a rather a long time. Look at that colour. Hey, Look at that colour. It's a hazy little number. It's a dirty so little number. So what, what are you expecting, Chris? Are you expecting some phenolics from the Saison yeast and a little bit I'm of pepper? I'm expecting quite a lot of pepper. Lime, brine. I'm expecting a bit of a lot, touch of that limey note, that kind of, that sour kind of acidic note. I'm expecting apricots at 500 grams per litre. I'm definitely expecting freaking apricots. But I'm expecting that funk. I'm expecting that funk that you get from a really good Saison. <laughs> Wish me luck. We're going for it. Yeah. All right. Oh, that does not disappoint. I remember, I remember Tricky waxing lyrical about this beer. I get white pepper. Yes. I get white pepper like that straight away. First thing I got. And then I just get a wave. A wave of apricots. And I get a hint of salt. All right. I'm getting a small amount of what could be considered goaty. Yeah. Kind of funky. All right. A little bit of funk on it. But overriding flavour is I get a hint of sourness, not too much actually, which I'm quite pleased about. Not a load of it, but basically just, it's just a really nice rounded, fruited, peppery, dry Saison beer. Beautiful. This is out fucking standing and I've only had one mouthful. <laughs> So boom, it's gonna be gone in about six seconds. I get more of the goat on the second mouthful. I get more of the sour. I'm still getting that fruit overriding my palate, that wonderful sweetness of the apricots that's just sitting there. Um I could tell you the story about my dad's apricot jam, but I won't. Basically dad forgot that apricots have a shitload of pectin in. He made a load of apricot jam when I was a kid, and the only way we could get it out of the jar was to smash the jar. Why? Like you, because you had it by the slice, mate. You couldn't spread this shit. <laughs> okay. Okay. It literally jellified, and it was solid inside the jar. <laughs> okay. Um. So what we did was we broke the jar gently, like we scored it with the with a glass cutter, 
and cracked it down the line so there were no shards of glass in the jam. We scraped off the bit round the cut anyway and then literally sliced the jam and put it on toast because it melted quite effectively on hot toast. <laughs> okay. So that's the flavour that I'm getting. I'm getting that, that jammy fruit note, but it's much drier than that. It's so much drier than that. This is a. Have you had this? No, I haven't had it. No. Mate, Rainville Superstore. Get yourself a bottle. Bought. This is fantastic. What a beer. Amazing. What a beer. Just heavy, heavy fruit with a hint of sour and a touch of goat. I love a bit of goat. You're making me jealous. Mm. Fucking hell, that's a good. Uh, pardon my French. That's a damn good beer. I'm gonna open this with. Mm. Intrepidation. Wow. The sourness is really coming through now. That's a bloody good beer. God damn it, Tricky, you were right. That's an absolute banger. Right. What you got, buddy? <laughs> okay, so this I've just poured half the can and it came out like diesel oil. I have got a stout from one of my favourite stout producers, Admondson. Uh And this is their Christmas start, uh, Christmas tart, which is one of their seasonal. That's why I said start instead of tart. One of their seasonal beers, uh, one of their Christmas beers. And this is a choco orange ginger cinnabon tart ultra pastry stout. So it's probably the first time I've ever come across the terminology ultra pastry stout. So coming in, winging at in at a uh, very sessionable twelve and a half percent. Some pretty cool uh, graphics going on there. Let me show everyone that's on the uh, on the YouTube. Is that Santa with a pie in his beard? That's Santa with a pie in his beard. Yep. Yeah. Hell yes. <laughs> Go, Santa. I have to refocus my camera. So. I mean, I'm getting orange. And I'm getting ginger. I'm not getting a massive amount of dark malt, which is really odd, given this is a 12.5% impy. Just while you're sniffing, keep sniffing for a second because I want to let people know. The reason why I'm not playing the Marvin Gaye music over Owen's drinking is because we got contacted on YouTube and told to fucking stop it. <laughs> Just to let you know. <laughs> not surprised. You were trying to like get under that, like fly under the radar with the 10 second rule or whatever you had. I was going under the 10 second rule, yeah. So what I get on the nose, I bear in mind, like, my said to smell perhaps it's still not a one after having covid pre-christmas um is i'm getting like a i'm getting kind of this sort of sweet fruity note on the nose but slightly metallic as well and i think i'd probably put that down to my just uh sense of smell being absolutely out of whack I'd just like to say that Saison is now on my list as well. You should put Saison on the list. So I'm going I'm to dive in. Get in there. He chops around that. It's so thick. 
It's so thick. <laughs> is it diesel? It's like, it's like drinking ice cream. <laughs> it's like drinking melted ice cream. And that there is huge amount of orange and ginger. That's like the predominant flavour. Super Christmassy, obviously, with that. I'm not so much getting as much chocolate. Mm. It's kind of... The thing with the Abinson beers, and I've probably said this before... Is it's one of those kind of stouts that you open and you know whatever is crazy descriptions of the flavour of whatever the beer is. Choco, orange, ginger, cinnabon, tart. You know that that's what you're going to get. Like you're actually going to open it and you're going to drink it and it's going to it's going to be every one of those things. As opposed to sometimes when you open stouts and it's like, uh, they like tiramisu, this, that, and the other, and you open it, it's like, just tastes like a stout. It's incredible. Incredible. I love you, Edmondson. I've yet to have a bad beer from Edmondson. I've actually got, you remember the last time I, I reviewed an Edmondson stout? Um, I said I've never had one of their pale beers and I do actually have one in the fridge which is one of their double IPAs unsurprisingly and it's called the Lean Green Lupulin Machine <laughs> um, I'm pretty freaking excited to drink that to be honest I'm guessing it's a hoppy number then uh, it will be a very hoppy number I'd imagine um, but yeah that is that is not overly roasty, um, super Christmassy. Uh, you obviously getting the cinnamon. Um, very very thick, very very sweet. Um, it's a sipper. I reckon I'll be drinking this for the next for the next hour or so. Just out of curiosity, have you had their barrel-aged dessert in a can, cherry and chocolate ganache beer? I haven't had that one. I have had a few of their dessert in a beer barrel-aged ones. I've had. Have you had the Tonka and caramel swirl ice cream? No, I've had the pistachio one, and I don't know. I think I've had maybe one or two others. I'd have to like literally look on their website as to. Which ones they've got. So, just for uh, the guys on the chat, literally, on the YouTube channel right now, I just bobbed on to Rainville Superstore and clicked on Admanson Brewery. Those are the beers they've currently got in stock. Help yourself. Have a look. They've got quite a few. Help yourself. Help yourself. So, yeah, that's um, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. I... Um, I do like the sound of that beer, although it does sound a bit thick for my liking. It is very thick. Is it chewy? It's chewy. It's chewy. Would Tricky? Big. It's. Would it's Tricky fun. say there's a lot going on there? Ah, uh, he would. There is a lot going on there, and you would get that just simply by the description. Uh, it's very seasonal. I've probably missed the boat in terms of the Christmas thing, but. Is it a banger? Mm. That's good. That's what we're, I'm still. Very I'm still goating my way through this one. 
It's a winner. That is so good. The thing with those, the thing, is, thing with those barrel aged uh, dessert in a can is they are only three thirties. They are only three thirties, uh, and eight quid for a three thirty is uh, it's probably pushing it. Well, maybe, maybe oh. not. It's barrel aged at the end of the day, but oh, get this! I don't know. So you know Richie Brooks? Yeah. You know the Barrel Age Beer Addict support group that we're all a member we of? Are. Yeah, he's just posted a picture of two of those cans. One of the ones you're drinking, and what looks like Santa riding a snowboard. Yes, yes, lad. I think that's Sticky yes. Fingers, which is a, yes. which is a, I don't know what it is, but it's an, a, the, their other ultra pastry stout. Well, to be fair, Admonton sound like they're knocking it out of the park, so, you know. I just skipped to the next picture, which is hard to when selfies go wrong. Which is hard to describe. <laughs> we'll just leave that one there. Yeah, shall I we? would. Yeah, um, it's it's yeah. not safe for work. Um, no. So whilst we're whilst we're we're both chewing our way through our our amazing beers that we've decided to pull out for commercial break number one. Um, because I think I've got to do another one. I have to do. The I other. I won't be joining you for commercial number two, not after this. Just to be chewing one. through that one. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to go with the other Colonel beer that I've got, the other beer de saison. Um. So yeah, Stewie, I hope it goes well for you too, mate. Get yourself sorted out. You're a top lad. Um. Read the chat if you want to know what that's about. I have. Um. I want to talk about any equipment. Just quickly, skating over the top, what equipment are you planning on buying this new year? Are you buy- are you planning on buying any equipment this new year? I know you've got your B80 with your laser-cut bottom plate and all your bits and bobs and all that other stuff, and you've retired the watering can, which makes me sad every time I hear you say that. Um, Sorry. But I've managed to look into... My brother, uh, who's an engineer, has a friend with a laser cutter. Oh, wow. And my brother being an engineer, he has vast amounts of stainless steel. Now, he can weld like a demon, which means I have a custom laser cut 3 mil... uh, what do you call it? What what what's the thing? What what's the word I'm looking bottom, for that goes in the bottom, bottom plate? False bottom. false bottom. That's the one. So I have a custom laser cut false bottom on its way to me, TIG welded with rubber feet. Lovely. And that's on that's on my way to me pretty soon. And that's going to cost me the grand total of nothing. Amazing. Which is which is always better. That's my favourite price. I like nothing as a price. Uh, and the only other thing that I'm planning on getting is I'm planning on picking up. Uh, one of the the T pieces from Kegland mm. and an extra uh, carb cap. Not because I want to do what Tricky's done with aerating hops and everything. Just because I want to be able to... I've got an idea for a cleaning mechanism. You're right. And I'm going to see if I can build that cleaning mechanism. It's still up here in my head. It's difficult to describe, but I do have a picture of it in my mind. And I want to see if I can get it to work. Happy days. So, laser cut false bottom that's 
just yes. going to keep your bag off the elements. That's the one, yeah. Do you think laser cutting it was maybe a little bit, you know, it's fucking gold plating it? <laughs> Is it gold plated? No, it won't be. No, it's stainless steel. It's difficult to vermeil it, <laughs> but uh, it is free, so I don't care. Yeah, it sounds it sounds amazing. Um, yeah, what am I going to look to invest in? I think I mentioned in the chat earlier with um, Gary Hughes was I'd like to get the Trubinator. It's called the Brutals Trubinator. The ring. Yeah, so it's like um, I've got one already, but. Uh, I can't remember what the brand's called, but it's like a Trub Trapper. I think maybe even that's what it's called, Trub Trapper. That is what it's yeah, called, yeah. Trub Trapper, I think. Um, but it's only about this big. And obviously the diameter bottom space of the B80s, like at least twice that. And what I tend to find is that the Trub Trapper just fills up and there is a lot more trub than what its capacity can hold. So yeah. I'm probably going to think about getting the Trubinator, which actually takes it out significantly. It's probably at least twice the size. And it should mean that a lot more of the trub gets captured and I can run off cleaner work. Um, not that, that particularly bothers me, but there are certain styles that actually would benefit from just a little bit less trub in the FV uh, in terms no, of there's a lot of styles in terms of clarity and stuff um, although it is expensive really for I mean it's amazingly well built engineered you know great materials It it's worth the money but it is expensive for what it is well it, you know. it's anything for a V8 is expensive isn't it, it is basically yeah but, but it is a watering can was 400 quid yeah I mean the watering can as good as it was, did need to be retired. Unfortunately, I miss the watering can. you know, maybe it will make a little reappearance at some point. Keep an eye on my YouTube <laughs> channel for a raffle prize. Which I rarely, yeah, maybe I'll raffle it off. <laughs> I'm coming, I'm coming up, I'm coming up for 500 subscribers. Maybe that'll be the wow, the, the top, the top, uh, top uh, prize. Who knows? I think I've hit 12. Well, you know, you've got to start somewhere. Hey. Hey. I'll be happy if I make 20, you know what I mean? Um, I do already have the prize plan for if I get 100 subs on my YouTube no, channel. No, man. It's like, it does, If you, all you got to do is just keep producing content and, yeah, and you, you know, it, it will happen. Uh, I'll be doing a couple my more prob- My problem is I'm just not producing content, so, you know. Well, I'm producing quite a lot of gas, if that so helps. So that kind of sucks. Um, what else am I thinking about getting? Um... That's about it, really. You know, like I'm, I'm kind of done, in some respects, for a little while on kit wise. Like kit wise. Do you know the only other thing that I have to get? The only other thing that I have to get is I have to get another pump. Because, as good as the pump is that I have, and as useful as the pump is that I have. I think I need a higher flow rate. So what, what are you running at the moment? I'm running one of the El Cheapos from um, the Malt Miller. Okay. Um, not an expensive one by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I'm seriously considering going Riptide. Yeah, I think 
it's the best in the business, I think, for like homebrew pumps, right? And they're not that expensive, really. When you thunk, when you, I mean, the the one that I've got from the malt mill was like I think it was ninety quid or something when it was brand new, and I didn't buy it brand new. I got it off of a mate who bought a pump and then decided brewing the bag was the thing for him. Um, so for me, it's a case of I've really not paid that much for the pump that I've got. I don't really buy equipment anymore. Um, I tend to MacGyver stuff. Um, <laughs> and um, I think that um, I think that going down the route of having a stronger pump is going to be beneficial for me. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, how much is a Riptide? Like, 150? 160. 150, 160. Uh, it's like, you know, I always make the argument that, like, if you buy something it's an expen- and it's expensive, but you use it all the time, then it's yes. money well spent, you know? Yes. It's a bit like when I bought a, a, a Camado a little while ago. You know, it was like, yeah, I don't know how much it was, 300 quid or something. Which is relatively cheap for a camera day. But the things I use all the time. So it's it so as long as you don't buy something that's really expensive that you then never use, then you just you no, just you absolutely. justify it, right? You know, how much yeah. how much did your PC cost, you know? A lot. But it's a cent it's essential, <laughs> right? And you use it li- literally every day. Then you every then day. you don't mind spending good money on stuff that you use all the time. For those of you on the chat, that's what he's talking about. So, and it and it does this, and it changes colour. Yeah. So, um, it's all about, as you say, what use are you going to get out of that item? Does that item fulfil the task that you want it to fulfil? And at the same time. Is it going to last? Because yeah. I'm not going to pay, you know, 160 quid for a pump that's going to die on the third time that I use it. That's essentially where I'm at as far as as far as the equipment that I want to use. Um, so a Riptide is probably in my future. Other than that, I don't think I really need anything else. You know, I've got a big whisk. I need to speak to my seamstress friend and get her to make me some some mash bags with a with a with a coarser um with coarser holes uh but with more reinforcing to basically allow me to to recirculate through them um but other than that i think i'm pretty much done as far as kit goes much to the uh, much to the wife's happiness relief Really, yes, relief would be a good word. Oh, it's all good. So, it's all good. Plus, we've got some extremely, extremely big bills coming up this year, so we need to we need to put some money to one side. That's it. You can just spend money on um, on that ten kilos of magnum that you want to buy or whatever. Yeah, the fifteen kilos of magnum. That's, that's all. it. That's all you need. So, have you done your list of beers? Uh, yeah. With the hibiscus, I'm done. So it's down to you, mate. I think, well, probably the only other one that I've got on the list that I probably want to talk about was just, I want to make, so you and I have probably had a beer from Brett the Bollard, Brett Harmon. 
Tonka. The legend. The Tonka. The, the four bean stout. Is. I want to make like some sort of like crazy MP stout at some point. You know, I want to make the like 1.100 stout with a four hour boil and a. You know, and. I also want to like then uh, rack it onto like, I don't know, Mars bars or something. And. Awesome. You know, just do deep fried yeah, just bars. do like some silly stuff. You know, like melt down ten Mars bars and just put that in the boil for a bit. <laughs> I don't know, something. I mean, you can kiss your element goodbye if you do that one. You'd be better off dry hopping with the maybe, Mars bars. Maybe, maybe, but um, I don't know, just some some real crazy experimental big imperial stout. I know I'm not going to drink it, so there's no point in me making stuff like that. I think it's probably going to be a... like I'm going to be smart this year in ensuring that I think ahead to making sure that I brew the Imperial Stout in, like, August for Christmas. Do it in March. You know? <laughs> Do it in March. I, I, don't know, I don't know if I need to go that far ahead. The problem is you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna block up a keg. Right. Because you don't have enough, do you? Well, sometimes it's dicey. Sometimes. Sometimes it's dicey. Yeah. Well, why don't you just buy a keg specifically for the purpose of putting an impy stout right. in okay. it? Okay, I will. It's 55 quid. <laughs> I will. Just buy will. a keg buy purely buy for impies. Because um, I don't think eight's enough. No, eight is never enough. So... Yeah, I mean, and and also it's just like, I often find that I end up trying to brew beers for the season, but doing it too late, and then drinking the beer past the season that I intended to brew it for, you know what I mean? So essentially what you're saying is you're a whore to a brew calendar. Well, not so much that, it's not a brew calendar, it's just actually I'm saying I want to be a, a whore to a brew calendar more so than I have been um. where I'm going, oh look, it's sunny and hot. Oh, next brew will be, you know, this. And then it, uh, the summer ending and I've still got half a keg of it. You know, rather than having it ready for when the sun comes out and I go, oh, this is amazing. I've got the great beer that's just perfect for seeing in the sun with. Yeah, I'd I'd like to have the sour, the hibiscus and the fruited sour ready for the the summer when I'm basically off work and I can just sit in the garden and drink beer. Um, but I think the reality is my summers are very, very busy um, and they're also very, very expensive for me because the kids go into holiday club two days a week. You know, it's 50 quid a day. You know, so it's 200 quid a week for me to, you know, well, 100 quid a week for, for my kids to go to holiday club during the summer. Um, and that's, that's expensive. Yeah. Very no, expensive. No, I feel you, that's... So, at the, so at the same time, it's like I tend to have the kids around, so we tend to be doing things as a family, which for them is jumping around on a trampoline trying to kill each other and uh, me cooking meat and making beer. Which, you know, fair enough, it's a hobby that I have. But at the same time, it does mean I can chuck out some fantastic Hefeweizens 
ferment about, have them in a keg seven days later, when I know roughly what the weather's going to be like, and if global warming has any effect on our on our climate over the next couple of years, we know that the summers are going to get hotter, and we know that the winters are going to get more unpredictable. So, so far as I'm concerned, that that to me makes sense. Um, I tend to have lagers on tap through the whole year, so I understand what you're saying, and I see where you're trying to get it. So properly planning ahead is the right way to do it, I think. To your displeasure, I might actually map all of these onto a brewing calendar. Yeah, so next episode won't have Owen on it. Um, if you end up with a BJCP fucking calendar on a wall behind you, I will drive to Southampton and burn your house down. I mean, I am going to need the BJCP guidelines for a few of these brews. Only because I am brewing them for a competition. Are Mars bars a regular occurrence within the BJCP that, guidelines? That one's not going to feature... On no, the, okay. uh, I mean, you have to check these on things. the guidelines. But um, I'm thinking about entering the lab competition, so the London Amateur Brewers competition, which is in May. Um, okay. There's the UK Nationals. I'm not sure when that's going to happen. Um, I don't think they've set a date, so I might enter that as well. So there might be a few. There might be. I might. Endeavour to do a bit of competition brewing. I don't know. I mean, it's an aim for the year, isn't it? I'd like. I'd like to have a little medal, a little rosette. I, I mean, I hope you get as many as you enter. Fingers crossed. Never know. You're looking a raffle, do you? Exactly. I mean, like take take let's a face ticket, it. See what happens. Let's face it. A raffle is basically what a homebrew competition is. Well. Yeah, I mean, or a ballet think, contest, whichever way I you think, want to, to look at fair, it. To be fair, you've got to be able to brew the goods, but then, but then it's down to being a raffle competition, really, isn't it? It definitely is. Yeah. Definitely is. I mean, I would love to see somebody enter a pseudo lager into into a lager contest and just see where they end up. Um, I think you should do that. I don't think it's going to happen. Well, with that attitude, Chris, it's definitely not going to happen. Yeah. I could always do the gluten-free Uber Kolsch that I do. And send that in, because that drops clear as fucking day in about three weeks. I've been meaning to ask you, actually. So, when you add that um, enzyme to make a beer gluten-free... Is it gluten-free enough for a celiac to drink? Yes. It is. Yes. Well, that's good. And the, the wonderful thing about that enzyme, mate, is you can kiss chill haze goodbye. Mm. You're getting no chill haze. You know. It has to be done. It's amazing stuff. Um, I've got two people that I brew beer for, one of whom is celiac one of whom is just gluten intolerant, so they're not full-on celiac. Neither of them have ever had an issue with my beers when I've put the enzyme in. Interesting. Yeah, I've just found out one of my good mates is um, is celiac. Um, yeah. I was thinking about making him a beer, so I wanted to ask you. Do it. Do it. It's good stuff. Uh, MBS Clarity, it's called. Yeah. 
is very cool. I throw it in all of mine because I'll be honest with you, I find that I fart a lot less. Yeah, as do I. I actually add it to most, most, if not all, of my beers now. Yeah, it really just reduced the gas consumption or gas. And it's amazing how little you need as well. I mean, you only need half, half a, mil. a mil, right? Yeah, but that's enzyme soy. That's how they work. They are a non-degraded catalyst. Well, all catalysts are non-degraded, but it is a non-degraded enzymic catalyst. It's wonderful. As in, you mean it doesn't really matter? It doesn't grow, does it? No. It just... It's degradation. So the, um, the enzyme itself is not broken down. It just continues to do its thing for as long as it's in that solution and meets the required... Um, substrate. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so pitch rate, in terms of it's just half a mil, does it matter? Like, because it, it, it doesn't operate like yeast does, right? There's no. like a misconception that this is the same okay. as using yeast. Think of an enzyme like a key. Right? Rather than like something that grows, it simply goes along and it unlocks things. That's all it does. Okay? So it'll meet these long chain polymers and it just snips them down. That's all it does. Breaks them down into basic amino acids, which obviously don't have the same antigenic effect on the binding site within the intestine. Huh. Well, it has no like real material impact to like the perceptible quality of the beer does it absolutely not it improves it for me in what way so i find that the beers they are drinkable quicker i find that they clear faster mm. i find that the if you drink a beer a bit early sometimes you can get a proteiny flavor you don't really get that because there's not really any protein left they work at a fairly reasonable temperature, so you don't have to do anything crazy to your beer to sort it out. And I just find that the beers taste cleaner when you've used the enzyme as opposed to when you haven't used the enzyme. Yeah, so like, if it breaks down protein, how's that not affect head retention? Because it only breaks down gluten. Yeah. So it's gluten specific for when it breaks it down. And gluten is not a contributor to head retention. Not as far as I'm aware, no. Interesting. I couldn't I couldn't say for definite. But I I do genuinely think it isn't, so oh. There we go. Oh. Rather than doing another beer, I think I'm probably gonna do a beer review on the other one. So nice. um if you're if you're done and dusted, if we're at the bottom of your list I am indeed. Because that twelve percent is kicking your fucking ass off. Oh, I think it? it is. Yeah, it's ruining me. Yeah, right now. I can. I can tell you've started slurring. Oh, <laughs> You're on the squint, which is never good. Um, shall we knock that one on the head right there and open up for the uh, for the after party? Yeah, it's been fun. I think twenty twenty two's got a lot to offer. I'm excited. We've got some meetups. We've got. Lots of brewing to do, and Absolutely. you know we found a good a good little group, haven't we? We've got the podcast, we've got yeah. you know our 
our UK-based group, and um, you know, it's going to be a, a fun year. We got some good guys. It's going to be fun, and I'm really looking forward to 2022 because I firmly believe this is going to be the year where I turn the corner and I can actually brew what I want to brew pretty much whenever I want to do it. I look forward to it. Yeah, you'll get all the beer mail, you cheeky twat. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I bet you are. Right then, boys. Um, I'm going to post some links in the chat, but as far as Audacity goes, I think me and Owen can safely kill the Audacity. See you soon, guys. Thanks for listening. Episode 37 is in the bag. Check us out on all good podcasting platforms. Check out my YouTube channel, Homebrew Reviews. Check out Owen's YouTube channel, which is called... The Blue Charles Brewer. The Blue Underpants Brewer. <laughs> and let's um, get this one done. Have a good one, people. And we will see you soon. Cheers, guys. Bye. -bye. Bye.